Welcome to Maker Skills, exploring your internal toolkit with PJ, Tanda, and Tom. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 71. We're, well, we were supposed to have a guest on this week, but somebody dropped the ball. And I'm not going to say who it was, but we pretty much all know who the ball dropper is on this show. It's it was Bruno. Me. Bruno. What? <laughs> Oh, man, here I was confessing, and it was Bruno. Oh, yeah, well, we got to fire that guy. He's the worst intern we've had. So, um, But anyway, yeah, Bru- Bruno's the worst. I-, I wasn't going to say anything, but then I changed my mind. We, anyway, we don't talk about Bruno. So, sorry, yeah. Bruno, I was trying to take the take the heat for you, but yeah. PJ yeah. saw right through it. That's the, I mean, so from now on, you will be known as Bruno the ball dropper. So just, Speaking just of Bruno, we haven't had an intern in a while. There's a reason for that. <clears throat> they all quit? They all they don't do anything. That's what oh. they're they're all underachievers. But I feel like uh, we, we, had one in the- we we had to come up last minute, like by last minute I mean like within the last twenty four hours with a new skill topic since our guest uh, backed out. Um, and we decided to go with wrenching, which is the cool term for bicycle repair. Yeah. No, it's not. It, it is. It, which I, which I Tom and I didn't know, and so we right. were off researching general wrenching right yeah. that's not not an excuse and, yeah. and didn't so realize it had anything to do with bicycle repair we're, we're changing the topic pj was not prepared for this it's hard to say no when we're recording he'll try anyway <laughs> no so what what kind of skill class is wrenching pj it's class five yeah it's right Just in the middle squarely say, in the middle i was gonna say two for bicycle well, you you can do two for like simple repairs, but then when you get into more advanced stuff, it's definitely a class five. Um, there are I, you probably don't know this, but there are electronic bicycle systems. I know everything. Really? Do you know? How dare you? I think wrenching yeah. should have a skill class of like three point five foot pounds. Mm. Well, it's a good thing I answered first. Okay. Your bike's falling apart then. Yeah. So since Tom knows everything, Tom, uh, I'm just curious. Um, yeah. How much is a uh, carbon fiber Campanello electronic uh, gear shift set? How how what? I'm well, sorry? new new. They're quite expensive, but PJ can probably get you one off of uh, Facebook Marketplace for seventeen dollars and thirty eight cents. Oh, not likely. No. They <laughs> campies are uh, very very pricey, even used. So, but anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's move on to the history and fun facts, since I am dying to know what you two found since you researched the wrong thing. Tom? Yeah. You're up. Oh, I'm up. Uh, well, I, well, again, there was a little commu- miscommunication, but I did a, uh, I did a deep dive. Uh, I spent the entire week at my kid's uh, preschool, and I documented every time a kid wrenched a toy out of another kid's hand. Um, I have some data on it if if it's still relevant, but I, I understand the topic's a little a little different. Oh yeah, I'm dying to hear this. What happened? Did yeah, the kid- so yeah, yeah. So on uh, on day one, uh, do you want me to go line by line, or do you want me to just summarize? Whichever works better, Tom. <laughs> if you've done the statistical analysis, we can just take the we can take the summary. Yeah. So well, uh, you know what? I'll give you the fun facts. How about that? So. It turns out 
wrenching isn't as cut and dry as we thought it was, there's actually um, a bit of a technique to it, and it's it's kind of a a tug tug wrench. So you kind of test the kid two times, like a jab jab right hook, and then you rip the toy out of their dead lifeless hands, and uh, and then you a lot of times you even mock them immediately after. Uh, it turns out so. So it kind of starts with like a test wrench to see if the person has like a grip yeah. or if they're just like not really interested in the toy and then you can well, just take it. Well, I think, it. yeah, I think it's actually, they do it so that the, the kid with the toy starts to actually care that they have the toy and then they rip it from them. Uh. So it's like, if they just ripped it from them, the kid be like, oh, whatever, I didn't even want that. But they're like, let me tug on it, get them interested. Let me tug it again. Tell them I'm going to take it, and then they rip it out it's of kind them. Kind of setting the hook. It's like the equivalent yeah. of setting yeah, the it's hook. It's actually when... brilliant. It's really it's it's a phenomenal thing. Sidebar, Tanda. Yeah. Um, but did did I did I not hear that correctly, or did Tom just give us a coded message that his kid is murdering other kids to pull toys out of their hands? He did say dead, lifeless hand, right? Uh, he did say that. I mean, very, very descriptive, and I don't know if that, you know, just means, you know, lifeless-like, but yeah, no, he said that. So I think maybe he's just creating a backstory for why why children are are offing one another for toys. This, this, asks, this brings up so many questions. First off, what kind of preschool is this kid going to? Because this is like a life or death. Like, how many kids are making it out of here every day? There's, there's got to be lawsuits involved, doesn't it? But I mean, the ones that are making it out have lots of toys. Well, that goes without saying. Why else would they be going there? It must, they must have premium toys, like that, that voice-controlled Optimus Prime that transforms on its own. They've got to have stuff like that. Probably so. Every day they come home. You, they come home. You open up their backpack, and it just toys fall out. Yeah. Some yeah. of them still with fingers attached. Oh, that's that's got to be hard to get the blood off. Uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. What? Well, um. Let, let's let's listen. Maybe he's going to explain it. Oh, oh, look, look. He just put the toy down. Tom. That. Um, yeah. So t- tell us more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, yeah. I mean, I just want to tell you, I sacrificed for the team here to get this information, and and I understand it's a little misplaced now. Um, I I was there every day all week, and what was weird is uh, my kid was sick all week. He wasn't even there, so it was a little awkward. Oh, little that awkward. is aw- That is very awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. I, okay. Oh wait, wait. Hold on. Uh, I'm being told by legal we have to move on. Um, this could be a problem. Tanda, oh. what kind of research uh, did you do um, for the uh, for this episode? Well, I mean, <laughs> not, other not than what other research than, did you do? What kind did you do? <laughs> well, I, at the last minute, I kind of switched to a cycling thing because uh, you know I kind of got wind that this was something different, um, which was good because. The only other research I had done was just helping Tom out, standing there with the clipboard, taking notes, not even realizing that his son wasn't even there with us. And so now I feel really silly. Um, and it's dub- surprised, doubly surprised we didn't get yeah kicked out. Because um, yeah. uh, you know, we were there from the first bell till after after the buses left. But uh, I did a little I did a little cycling research, and uh, you know, with kind of wrenching in mind, and and. You know, how could you make a cycle that was more likely to not need repair? And I found a cycle that, uh, um, you know, kind of falls in the in the realm of the best part is no part at all. 
maybe you've heard like Elon Musk say this because, you know, if you just eliminate the part, it, there's no cost. It never breaks. You never run out of them. So, uh, and this particular cycle has, uh, it has, it has, it, it won't get more than one flat at a time ever. It has no chain. <laughs> it has no handlebars. Um, according to this article, it's great exercise. Um, uh, you can get them for mountain biking. Um, it has a lot of benefits where you can increase your riding skills and stamina and balance um, in addition to a traditional bike. Uh, another benefit um, is that there's extra strength required in mastering it. And, uh, and it's a challenge that will make you stronger and more coordinated, and it's just plain fun. So I mean, it, seems like, it not, seems like the perfect it's cycle. It's not like riding a bike. It's no, not like riding no, a bike. No, it's, it's an all-terrain unicycle. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so, I mean, the number of parts it eliminates has got to cut down on the wrenching. I mean, right. no derailleur, no chain, no handlebars. Yeah. Do you, you know what only goes one, up, though? Only one tire. I mean, you know, it seems like the You know like what goes ultimate, up, Tanda? That, that the number of times you fall, that's what goes on. Well, you that has fall, nothing to do with wrenching. That that yeah. That's a first aid kit thing, not a multi-tool thing. Let's, let's stay on topic here, PJ. Oh, I'm sorry. My bad, my bad. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're abso- no, absolutely I mean the, right. the topic is bike repair, not not like leg and arm and neck and back and you know elbow repair. You're 100 percent correct. Yes. Yeah. That's out of the scope of this episode. Yeah. Yes. So yes. I, I thought that was uh, the best way to eliminate bike wrenching was mm-hmm. just to uh, use a use a unicycle. Um, that's true. Use something that's not a bicycle at all. That that's definitely the way to get around that. Well, it's For still sure. a cycle. All right, but wrenching, wrenching in, to your definition, which honestly has, I've been Googling it. There's no connection between the word wrenching and bikes. But anyways, uh, how does a unicycle not fit into your definition of wrenching? Uh, first off, it's not my word. Uh, that word is used in bicycle magazines all over the world. That's sure. where I got it and, from. And then it's also in every mechanics magazine in yes. the world. Bicycle oh, yeah. Hot mechanics magazine. Um, yeah, yeah bike know, mechanics. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, the bike every, mechanics. Heavy are equipment wrenches. magazine. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's not my fault you don't read, Tom. <laughs> bike mechanics are called wrenches. Yeah, that's that's what they're called. You know, just just like you know, people that fly are there metric and imperial or, versions of them. Um, no, they're they're pretty universal. They um they. I'm trying to remember back to when I did it. Uh, I think most of the bike stuff is metric. I don't think any of it is imperial. I think it's all metric. Mm. Does, doesn't make a difference where it's made. Real, real quick, PJ, before you go, can I just take a guess that you are going to do the most common motorcycle superstitions? No. No. Ooh. All right, let me go to the second Google link. Is a bike mechanic with the seat of his pants torn out called an open-end wrench? (laughs) Yes. Okay. Yes. That part's correct. BJ, what do you got? I decided... I did look up superstitions, but they were all... The the most I found was people talking about their own superstitions. I didn't find, like, a centralized Mm -hmm. list. And I just decided to look up who invented the bicycle. And it was a German baron by the name of Karl von Dreis. He made the first 
major development when he created a steerable two-wheeled contraption in 1817, uh, which was initially known as, by many names, a velocipede, a hobby horse, a dryzine, and a running machine. So um, this this is the, the earliest form of the bicycle we know, and uh, Dreis is widely acknowledged as the father of the bicycle. So... Hmm. I did not know that. So, so if you <clears throat> if you like bikes, uh, they come from Germany. These Germans, yes. Is there a mother of the bicycle? Or I, right? Was this? I was going to bring this born up. of a father with no no mother of the bicycle. Immaculate conception on a different level. I can't talk about that due to my See, uh, le- if, legal if, contract. If you were, <laughs> I feel like the father of the bicycle, just like. Said, just watch, hey, uh, but you should make this two wheeled thing. You should make this two wheeled thing. Like just planted the seed right. of knowledge, and then the mother like actually created the damn thing, and and the father gets all the credit. So uh, if if I'm taking what you're saying correctly here, Tom, you're trying to say that Carl uh, put his seed in his wife, and a bicycle came out. Is that where we're going with this? It's not. It's a kid friendly show. Yeah. Well, you brought it up, man. I, I was... didn't. Not that clearly. <laughs> you were the one that's all infatuated with the mother. I'm just saying, you know, this is what I found. It's, it's I think Velocipede is kind of cool. Like, I would have wished we would have gone with that night. Anyway. Why can't we just be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go for a ride on my Velocipede? It sounds like you're riding what does that a... What even mean? It's, it's like you're riding a fast bug with like 100 legs down the road. Like, yeah. Don't mm. Definitely. We should re... re uh, Invent the bicycle with many, many wheels, and just call it the Velocipede. It's a good idea. Have you have you seen the those leg things that uh, walk down the beach? The the ones that have like yeah. The, so what if you took one of those and you made it really long instead of wide? That could, could be a Velocipede. The Strand, what is it? Strand walkers. Strand? Yeah, I, I can't remember the yeah, name of those artists things. that yeah. built the like wind powered walking machines. Yeah. That, go down the beach it's strand yeah. something i think yeah yeah that's uh, strand beast strand beast is spelled b b e e s t strand beasts yeah that yeah. doesn't sound anywhere as near as cool as velocipede we need to give him uh send him an email tom let him know he needs to change that i'll send i'm gonna send him an email i found his website okay howdy y'all it's time for the 3D Filament Fandango. As you can tell from the music, no deals this week. So we're back on the 3D printing. I'm going to let Tom go first because I'm a nice guy. Really? Yeah. Really? Do you pe- know what I'm going to talk about, Do PJ? people... Do people... Frog pod. <laughs> Frog pod. Frog pod. Let me check do, my audio. Do people... Do- Frog pod. I peaked. Uh, I'm talking about the frog pod people, not frog pod people. Frog pod Damn it. <laughs> frog pod people. Are they frog from outer people. space? You know, I'm, not, I'm not talking about the frog pod. I'm talking about the frog pod mini. Yeah. It's a keychain accessory. The tadpole. folds up. <laughs> tadpod. Yes, the tadpole. I, the tadpod just doesn't sound good, though. I agree that's the name, but it just doesn't sound good. <laughs> I don't know. But anyways, um, a couple people suggested it. It's brilliant. But I made... I needed to add a layer to the Kickstarter, you know, like a, like a, 
like a an exclusive thing that only the first 50 people get or something along those lines. So I printed a tiny one of these things, um, almost to scale, pretty close, close enough. And I just played with it for a day. And then I went, oh, this could hold my keys and I could put a loop on it and it works. And then when it's on your keychain, you can fold it up into this tight little tad pod and uh, it just kind of lives on your keys without being too heavy or too cumbersome. And then when you want to hang up your keys, you flip it all open. It's fun. And it's also a fidget toy. I've been fidgeting with it. There's little clicks. Listen. Tom, Tom, you, you fidget yeah, with everything sorry. in front of you on the desk. Yes. Everything, everything is a fidget so toy. Much, there's just so much cool <laughs> stuff in front of me. It's not my fault. So anyways, I, um, I did that. And that'll be a, a little bonus thing. Like You'll be able to buy one um, as an add-on for fun. And it is fun. That's all it is. It's fun. Can we just have some fun, people? This is my Pachudo. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? I've I kind of finalized. I, I did a lot of work on my Kickstarter campaign, and it's. I want to say it's close, but I still need media. I still need to make a couple videos and take more, uh, make more gifs, 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 gifs. I don't know. Um, alternate it every other so, time you say it. It's one of those words that you alternate every other time you say it, wrong. just so you're half right. Yeah, Tom. and yes. so and so Perfect. anyone trying to use you as a cue as to how you're supposed to say it remains yeah. confused as well. Perfect. I think you yeah, should so, say it say it incorrectly. Just say Gif. 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 Well, it is it is short uh, yeah, for like so I need graphic to make... graphic interchange format. So if it right. was a GIF, then it would be Jaffic. Right. Mm. Yeah. I didn't follow that at all, though. So, anyways, I need to make more .gifs and um, and uh, put them in put them in my story. But I've pretty much written the story, and I had uh, AJ Huff from Design the Everything. Oh, we should have him on the show soon. Um, he's done a bunch of Kickstarters, and he did a quick proofread of mine and told me to take out some certain language that Kickstarter doesn't like, and I rewrote a few things. Um, Buy this, you fucking idiot. Well, they don't like, like, they don't, they don't actually like that I'm pre-printing these things for like that first group of 50. Oh, right, right. They want you to Um, be starting from scratch. They want you to be more dependent on them in a way, in the language. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think I need to relabel that first group, like pro, like you're buying a prototype, like quote unquote prototype. And then maybe I'll make a small tweak to it to just say it's not a prototype anymore. Um, it's not a prototype, but I don't think Kickstarter listens to this. Well, maybe so. I'll be alright. I I think they they might. Well, now what are the gifs in the story? Are they like animated gifs? So is that why? Yeah. So just GIFs? instead of instead of pictures, it's it's like the frog pod slapping onto something or me closing it to demo the closure. Um, oh, okay. Because within the story, so the story is just a, a an article, right? It's mm-hmm. just words, but I can insert images. I can't insert video there, but gotcha. I can insert so by .gifs. Inserting GIFs, then you've got a way of getting some right. motion in there and sneakily. Yeah, yeah. and all of this advice came from AJ. Um, he was. I really used his as a, quite a bit of a template. So I haven't done a Kickstarter um, in a long time. Is that is it? You still have the main video though, right? That's your promotion, but is it just the one video? It is, I think it is just the one video, but I feel like there's always more than one video. Like, I want to put another video on, on YouTube, at least, of, like, 
more of an advertisement, more of a like, here's what you can do with it video. And so I want to generate maybe two different videos just to, I just want to give this thing a, as good a shot as it's going to have, you know, mm-hmm. um, the more, I, the more time I spend on it, the more I think it's going to do well. But again, I'll be happy with just a few sales. So Tom, I think you yeah. need a goofy frog graphic that, that I needs do. To... I don't, I, yeah. I know, but I can't afford one. So like, Go I don't on know. Fiverr. Go on Fiverr and get somebody to oh, draw that's one. That's so lame. That's you know, I point. didn't I didn't have any qualms with that. I used a couple of those graphic arts like crowdsourced places a couple times. And then yeah. I had a conversation with a graphic artist who was like, That's that's such a bad thing to do. It's a race to the bottom and right. and you're you're devaluing and I never even thought of it that way. I was just like, Oh, here's a way where I can see a whole bunch of designs and kind of choose the the direction that I kind of like and have that person make another one. And, you know, it just seemed like a super efficient way to get graphic art. So I had never right. really approached it from, from thinking about it in terms of the artist. So let me right. comment on this for just a second, because I know that people abuse that system, but I needed a, a book cover for my novel. And I went on Fiverr and found an artist. And there was a guy that had, he had stuff for $5 but he's like, if you want something that's m- better than this, that's completely custom, I charge more. And I'm like, okay, I like your work. I will pay more. And I hired him. Now, arguably, yeah, he was the biggest pain in my balls that I, I had. I had to to hassle him to get the actual thing done. Um, but I paid him, and it wasn't five dollars. So. You know, there's, yeah, I've, there's, used, I've I mean, used uh, logo. Uh, I think it's called logo contest and ninety nine designs is another one. Ninety nine designs, mm-hmm. and uh, and it runs more like a contest than just someone on Fiverr. You you put a prompt out there and artists respond, and then you cut it down to five people remaining, and then they can they'll each do a revision and stuff. So mm-hmm. I thought, yeah, that's just kind of an interesting. I think it was ninety nine designs that I used last, and I used it for. Um, a company that I worked for was being purchased and they wanted new new designs and logos and we used it. And it was kind of cool because all of the people with a say in it could independently go out and vote on the designs and and stuff. So hmm. that's that, that to me is kind of what you guys were talking about earlier where it sort of falls under the abuse, you know, what all these people doing free work. If you just look at the people that are doing the logos and look at their samples, you can find someone that's doing the style that you like and just hire them, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. No, I understand, but I don't, I really don't, I mean, right now I have zero money as far as this thing is, I mean, I've already invested hundreds of dollars in, in stuff here and I'm just trying to limit that is all because there is no guarantee that's the problem. Like, there's no guarantee. If I sell 50 of these things, I already have made zero profit. You know? Like, I'm going into it with zero profit. And it'll be fine. It's not a big deal. It's just, you know, it's just my my time and my life. But, um, I just, like, I could probably get a decent logo for, like, two or three hundred bucks, but I just don't want to invest it. That's, Dude, don't you, you don't need to spend it. two or three hundred dollars for a logo, Okay. I guarantee you can go on there, find someone that'll do your logo for like 30 to 50 bucks and it'll be just as good, okay? You don't need mm. something that's like corporate level, you need a goofy frog. Right. Okay? That's it. You need a goofy frog 
that's got like his 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 hands out that look like pods, you know, and you need that's right. it. You don't need anything else. It's not like you don't need like a full media spread. You just need an image of a frog that you can slap on top of something and then manipulate it in I Photoshop. Think, I think I'm just gonna cut and paste the Rainforest Cafe frog and I'll be done. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just just do that. Okay. Just does cut that, off that... one of his legs so you're not infringing and it has three legs like your frog pod. Oh, yeah. man. That, that's not going to look odd. <laughs> they have a little okay. sign at the bottom, frog legs, half off. Oh, man. T- Tanda, did you 3D print anything this week? I, uh, I did not 3D print anything, but we were joking about uh, we've got a big demonstration of our stuff that includes a bunch of 3d printed parts tomorrow and we were saying well that's one advantage of 3d printing if we break it today getting it set up for the demo we have a chance of of making it again by tomorrow but if we had bought this from a machine shop then there would be zero chance we could call them up and say hey do you think you could make another one by tomorrow morning overnight well not zero chance but it wouldn't be cheap um i was wondering if people still melt 3D filament, if people still save all of their scrap filament and melt it down in like acetone or something and use it as filler for smoothing parts, or if that's like a hmm. thing that's a bygone, because it used to be that people would take their 3D print filament, and maybe this was more of an ABS thing, because um, I was printing an ABS a lot before I got my newest printer, um, and you just take all your little teeny scraps or you chop them up a little bit and you drop them in a little bit of acetone in a bottle and then just close it up. And then over time it dissolves, of course, and makes like, you know, like gooey plastic that you can just smear and use as filler and sculpt into places. And then the acetone evaporates out and you've got like 3D printer filler. And I've never, I haven't done it with PLA. I don't know if, if PLA smooths with acetone. Mm, I, don't, I don't think so. Yeah, or if it just I don't believe so. Like doesn't doesn't work well. Or if there's an equivalent for PLA parts. I mean, what do what do people just use bondo or how do people sculpt 3D printed parts into like super smooth parts if they're using PLA? PLA? I don't know. I guess I mean just spray paint. Um yeah, just primer. Filler, high, works. filler filler primer, yeah. 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 Layers layers of paint it's it's not that bad you know it's like the print quality is yeah. pretty decent covering up the layer lines is not terribly difficult with just a, a filler i mean with a spray paint with a high vo- solids yeah yeah it's it's not i mean it's it's a little more work than normally painting something but it's the easiest way to go i mean you could do a little bit of sanding if you wanted to but just a couple extra layers and it's fine you know it's not that bad um, but yeah, that's a good tip. Um, I haven't printed anything with ABS, but maybe I'll try to make my own little sludgy pile of goo. You never know. <laughs> sludgy, sludgy that's pile of goo. Said. That's what it should be called. It's trademarked. Yeah. I'm getting the website right now. So I think I mentioned last week, um, this spindle cap shaft that I had made for the older Delta Motors that has a square attachment. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I just got the set screws in today, and I made this thing. The It's got four sides. So I made four ports 
for set screws, and it actually only needs two. So um, that's how I'm going to sell them. But I designed this and printed it, and this is the only one. And I put the, you know, I tapped the holes, put the set screws in, put it on, and it's perfect. Like I thought maybe mm -hmm. they were too close to the edge, like they weren't going to grip. But I, I put, screwed it down and like was shaking the whole motor. I'm like, ah, it's not coming off. So this is done in a one shot. Like I, there's, there's nothing for me to improve. That's so cool. That's, that's nice. Um, but and the for thing those I'm, listening, the top of the spindle that comes out the top where things could get in or at, at a dust and debris and stuff, it's a cap for that on a, on a drill press, right? No, no. This is a motor. <sighs> this is for a motor shaft where you've got a shaft coming out each side of the motor. Oh, so, okay, so for the back one, side of the motor. Well, one side of the motor will have a pulley, and then the other side will just be running because it's the reverse direction. So you put mm -hmm. this cap on so that you don't you know, run your leg or anything else into it and then get caught up in the motor. So it's gotcha. just a, it's a motor shaft cover, which comes standard on most of the Delta Rockwell motors. Um, occasionally they do brake. Um, because they were made out of some kind of cast pot metal. And uh, I know I personally, whenever I'm picking those motors up, I grab it by this thing because it's a nice little handle. What's the uh, what's the utility of that? Were those sold with the secondary shaft because there was some accessory or something you could get that ran off of it? or No, it's to reverse the direction. So like if you, let's say based on where the motor is mounted, the, it has to turn a different direction. You know what I'm saying? So this, this, you know, in other words, one side is going clockwise, the other side is going counterclockwise. So whatever side you're using, you would put this cap on the opposite side so that it wasn't exposed. But, um, but yeah, that's that's all it is. It's just it's a safety thing, um, and it also looks nice. But the the one that you find standard is not this one. It's it's the it's a it looks similar, but it's got a round, uh, flat bottom, and it's just two screw holes that go directly into the casting. This I made it as a let's call it a retrofitted part. This 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 never existed on mm -hmm. on the original Delta motors. So this is a brand new thing that I am the inventor of. I guess you could say I don't know, but um. But anyway, I'm talking too much about that. I really wanted to move on to the thing that I thought it, it leads to more exciting stuff. I got my new filaments in. I sent you guys pictures before we started. So mm -hmm. now I have picture. four, well, yeah, one picture with four things. Um, I've printed up the badges and I've got f now four colors of red. The original red that I have, which to me looks more like a, a peach or a pink almost, um, is the standard red that you get from any company. Uh, and then I have the glass red. So I ordered fire engine red and iron red. Now, to me, the fire engine red actually looks like standard red, like what you think red should look like. And the I know I know that the I know that the listeners can't hear the descriptions, but which ones? Well, which they can meter? they can hear them. For for us that can see them. Oh, okay. Yeah, they they, the the true. the big the big bandsaw sized badge. Bottom left. Um, that yep. is the fire engine red, yep. and then and then the one that's directly above that, that's a little bit darker. That's the iron red. Okay, and top so, right. Um, I'm not looking at it. I think it's top left. I th I, I don't remember. No, no, no. 
No, but what's the top right one? Fiery red? Would you say? Uh, hold on, let me let me look. I don't I don't know. I'm not looking at the picture. You're very you're very unprepared for this segment. I you, just you're ver- wanted to point that out. You can cut this part out, but I'm unprepared for for everything, directly. Tom. Um, okay, no, the one on the left, the one on the one on the top right is the gem red that I've been using. Ah, the gemmy. That's the semi-transparent one. The one on the yeah. top left is the iron red. If you zoom in, you can tell yeah. there's it's slightly darker than the big one. So, right. um, the fire engine red to me registers as true red. Like what you think red should be. It doesn't look like fire engine red. The iron red actually looks like fire engine red to me. So that's that's how I'm putting it out there. But anyway, the point being, um, both of them. Podcast gold. Oh yeah, it's the best. <laughs> I, I'll put a picture up for people. No to see. fire engine red tanda. Stick with it. Oh wait, yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Not gold. I actually did get a gold, but I didn't test it. But it, it looks <laughs> very very. It it looks really gold. It really does. So um, anyway, um, I have now. I both of those reds look like Delta Rockwell reds, depending on the year, much better than the other one. So that that helps. Um, But with the Fire Engine Red, which came from Esun, I got this. I got this little catalog that they sent, and. Inside the catalog, which you guys can't see, there are three pages of printer filaments. Nobody can see. And, yeah. So I'm not going to go through Should all of these. Should we pre-publish a brochure or a guide for the podcast so people can follow along? Yes. Or they could just order some eSun filament and they'll get one. Um, okay. Yeah, whether or not you have a printer, just order some. Yes, this this I, look right. when you know, our when, avid when, listeners will order some filament even if they don't have a 3D printer just just to follow along. Normally, when you order filament, all you get is a box and the filament, and that's it. They sent me a lot more than that. So, the thing I find cool is they have something which I can't find for sale, but they advertise e steel, which is printer filament with stainless steel particles in it so that if you polish it it looks like metal i want that i want that yeah that's i mean yeah that's basically like the same thing as cold casting right i mean you just have metal in whatever you're casting and then you can kind of cut back to that with a little bit of sanding and polishing that should look cool yeah Hmm. yeah well i've looked on their website i've looked on amazon i have searched the internet and it's not for sale anywhere that I can find, but it's in their their pamphlet. So maybe it's new and it hasn't come out yet. Um, but they have a lot of stuff in here. I'm not going to go over anything else. But there's a, there's there's filaments in here I didn't know existed. Very cool stuff. So yeah. maybe somebody bought it and realized that it turns into e rust after after they buy the e steel and then mm. they hadn't taken that into account. That that could be, but that's not my problem. It's that's whoever buys it's problem. I right, want it when right. it's shiny. Right, right. As long as it's polished up when it goes out. Oh, that, that makes me wonder if you printed something in metal and then if you waxed it, would that help keep the rust off? Huh. It's curious. Well, it's stainless. Stainless doesn't really rust. There you go. Yeah, yeah there you probably go. be fine. Um. Oh, oh, and uh, update from Duran Violins. The part that I sent him for the sander did not fit. All of the holes were were off. 
by you know a couple millimeters so it didn't line up so what we did was i had him do a pencil rubbing of the cast iron where everything attaches and then he sent me that and we are now within like 98 percent accuracy um, including some use of guide blocks and some micrometers and uh, we're I'm, I'm gonna start printing it probably tomorrow I, I couldn't it's a 36 hour print so I couldn't start it because it was going to run into the podcast but, but yeah so that's uh, I think I'm gonna make that one send it to him and it should be good to go you know should be um, should be good I bet you're fixing to find your own Fandango, ain't you? All right, it's time for personal history. Tom, what's your personal history with bagels? Ooh, I could go on for a lot. Water bagels or baked bagels? There's a big I, difference. No, I said wrenching. What? Oh, sorry. I thought I heard bagels. I must be hungry. Uh, yeah. So my first ever bike, the bike. I learned to, uh, the bike I learned how to ride a bike on, hello, uh, was, I think we found it. Maybe my parents bought it. I don't remember that part, but there was a bike one day and it was small and it was dirty and rusty and something else. And my brother and I, I don't know how old I was, maybe four. I'm going to guess four. My brother and I cleaned the bike up and spray painted it. And in true, you know, this was actually one of my first restoration projects, I would even say. But we used Brillo pads to scrub it down. Mm -hmm. But, like, not regular Brillo pads. We used Brillo pads, like, with the soap infused on them for some reason. Oh, the pink stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and I don't remember that part being fun, but I do remember doing it. And uh, I don't remember spray painting it, but I remember it getting a fresh coat of blue paint. And I took that thing down our front yard, which was a lit, like a very, very minor hill. And uh, I don't know if somebody pushed me. I imagine somebody pushed me, but I did it. And I remember at the end, I just kind of fell off and it was awesome. And, uh, and that was great. So that was my first, I guess I didn't use any wrenches. I don't know your rules anymore, PJ. I'm sorry. And since then, uh, I've never, I don't think I've ever fixed a bike. That's not true. Recently, I, I bought a... Not a unicycle. The opposite. What's the opposite of a unicycle? Quadricycle. A tricycle. Yeah, oh, tricycle. Oh. Not that yeah. it's the, yeah, opposite, that's the opposite, but uh, that's <laughs> the look on Tom's face. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the opposite direction of bicycle. Uh, I bought a tricycle that needed some repair, and I started tinkering around with that and br- replacing brake lines. And this had a drum brake in the front wheel. You ever see a drum brake on a bike? On a yes. Dr- on yes. a bicycle. Hmm. Yes, I have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On a yeah, it was in, kind of on a three-speed. Yeah. Is that the kind? Was it the kind speed. of drum brake that had the bar on it, Tom? I I don't know. Has a, has a little hub. lever off the side. Yeah. That, yes. That pulls and then it pushes out the shoes. Yep. The, or the brake pads yep. into the yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was frozen, seized, whatever. So I had to clean that up. That was cool. Um. And then, that's, uh, I don't know, I fixed my friend's kid's bike because he needed his handle, or his brake uh, handle broke. And, like, this was all very recently. 
I have more bike experience than I realized. Um, but like, it's just a bike. You can just replace stuff. The thing I don't like about bikes is not the question you asked me, but it's the answer you're going to get is that every freaking tool, almost every freaking tool is proprietary. Yes. And, and you can't use wrenches, which is why I still disagree with this topic. <laughs> well, you have to use thin profile wrenches. They're bike wrenches. No, but there's so like to change the what's that thing called the uh, it's the bottom, got a stupid name bottom bracket bottom bracket yeah, mm-hmm, it's yeah not it's not bracket I don't know what they're talking about anyways they all have their own proprietary like um, spanner wrench is that what I would call that no there's there's a um, it's like a it's like a socket that has a key on the end that you have to seat into the bottom bracket in order to remove yep. it. So it's not yeah. it's not a wrench. It's it's more like a socket, but you do right. put a wrench on it to to get it off. Yeah. Mm, again, not wrenching. So uh, I don't think I'll ever get into biking like that. I just I don't know. It seems fruitless. You know what the real problem is? Is that most bikes are garbage. Most bikes are from like big box stores, and they're just utter trash. Even when they're new, um, like there is when I went to buy, I bought a bike in in the last couple of years. And, uh, cause my kids started driving, riding a bike. So I had a, he got tired of going around a circle in the playground. So I was like, well, let's go a little further. And I needed a bike for that. But I didn't realize that there's like quality bikes that you buy from a bike shop. Yes. And then there's Walmart bikes. Yes. Like there's a huge, and here's, here's a good example. It's like buying an RC car at Walmart versus the hobby shop. That's a it's good comparison. two different worlds. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things like that where it's like, you didn't realize that those are, you know, Walmart sells toys and hobby shops sell hobbies, like Mm -hmm. legit, like good quality things with replacement parts because you're supposed to break stuff or upgrade it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I learned that about biking and, uh, spent way too much money on a bike, which, uh, which I got from the bike shop. It was just, you know, $700 kind of buys you a bike which is crazy uh, that'll buy a mid-grade bike uh, yeah i immediately regretted not spending more money because as soon as you are going uphill and you try and shift like a better bike would just work so much nicer well that that gets into the bike setup but um but yeah you're not wrong you're not wrong right yeah, my brother's got a nice road bike um like a, i don't know what it is but I'm pretty sure he spent like eight grand on it. Like it's super mm-hmm. expensive. And and I think he got it used. Like he bought a, I think it might be like a $15,000 road bike with all the electronic mm-hmm. shifting and all that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, it's a nice, it's a nice piece of machinery. Yeah. I worked with people who spent like small car prices on their bikes and they were, right. they were amazing. I mean, the bikes were amazing. I wouldn't spend that much on a bike, but. You can't deny yeah. that they were, you know, they were really very cool machines, and right. didn't and well, weighed like, next to nothing. I mean, like this guy's bike frame weighed less than my pedal on my yeah. on my Walmart bike. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. It really is incredible the engineering that goes into it. I always wanted to make, not always recently. I wanted to make my own bike frame, and the way I was thinking about doing it was with. 3d printing uh dissolvable filament 
and wrapping, gluing it together, and then wrapping carbon fiber around the filament and and trapping it. And then I'll just dunk it for like a week and get rid of all the filament. You think that'd work? You're you're gonna run into a whole bunch of fun problems, Tom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, three fun wrapping <laughs> Yeah, wrapping stuff with three D fiber, like what you wanna do. Uh, you you have to be carbon fiber. Carb, carbon fiber. Sorry, my brain is on three D printing. Wrapping stuff yeah, yeah. with uh, carbon fiber. It's it's especially with bikes. Bikes have to be tuned for like specific parts of the bike have to be stiffer than other parts. And you and then like tone wood, similar to tone wood. <laughs> um, but if anyway, tone fiber. If uh, tone if fiber. if you don't get, well, we're, I, I'll get into that when I talk about it. Um, carbon fiber i ha- I hate carbon fiber for bikes in a way but uh, i'll talk about that more when it's my turn but uh, i mean most could... carbon fiber bikes are made completely dissimilar from a traditional bike in terms of the yes. frame yeah yes they are and and there's other there's a whole host of other problems with them so um tanda did you did you want to do you have anything yeah else you i did add? i i did uh, my personal history on uh it, I, I was like three texts back, I guess. I did my personal history on 3D modeling because I thought that was what the topic was going to be. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'll I'll talk about uh, my brief history with with cycling. Um, my first bike uh, was a bike that some friends of ours found in the dump, and they re- they pulled it out of the dump and they put some green paint on it, and it became my first bicycle. And so the bicycle I learned on was was pulled out of the dump and given to me by some friends. Um, and I, I remember that bike, the most, I have two bicycles that were really memorable. And my friend and I, my friend Sonia and I used to, um, you know, they were kind of our ride. And so we would wax them and, you know, and wash them and, and kind of, and we would kind of wrench on them, but there wasn't really much in the way of setup or anything because they were really, you know, simple bikes. Um, but I had a five speed bike with a banana seat and it had the shifter. It had like, like two, um, it had a set of two bars down the, down the center of the bike. And I'm drawing a blank on what this portion of the bike is called, but like from the seat to, um, to the handlebars, it had the the top tube. It's a top tube. So it had two top tubes. Um, two small top tubes running parallel to one another. And in between it had a shifter that was like, Oh yeah. 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 And so it, and it had five different speeds and that was like the coolest bike ever. And I just remember standing Mm -hmm. out behind our house, holding it up to the window. Like I was, I wasn't really big. And so it was like all I could do to stand outside the house um, my mom was bedridden. And so I held it up outside the window cause they wouldn't let me take it into the house. And so I just remember standing out behind the house, holding it up over my head. Um, so she could see it through the window and I was really proud of that bike. Um, and then there was the bike I was least proud of. This was probably a few years later, 10 speed bikes were the thing with the kind of like Ram mm-hmm. handlebars and, and yep. they were, they were the thing. And, and all my friends had 10 speeds and I wanted one so bad. And I asked for a new bike for Christmas. And my dad was, is one of these people who was like, Oh, that's stupid. 
that's just a whole bunch of things that can go wrong and, and things you have to, you know, <laughs> it's just always going to be broken. And so what I got for Christmas was a three-speed bicycle with the like little planetary gear shifter in the back and a rat trap and the great big seat and the, you know, like kind of like beachcomber looking bicycle, oh, which yeah. today would be cool. But when everybody else that you know has a 10 speed, it wasn't uh-huh. it wasn't so cool. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of began my history of trying to convince my friends that my bike was really cool because it was so different so that they would try riding mine and I could ride their 10 speed. Yeah. So my, my father told a similar story when he was a kid. He wanted all he wanted was a banana seat. Like he wanted right. the cool bike and and his father is was a was a German engineer. Well, this, and yeah, this was ringing. He true. got him a bike. He got him a bike. There's two similar stories. Uh, <laughs> and he got him he got him like a like a twelve speed something Schwinn. Like a really nice road bike. And my dad was so upset. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, this because he believed you know, my my grandfather would always he would opt for quality, right? He would spend the money to get quality. Not that he had money, but he would just he didn't want to waste his money, you know? Right. Same thing, he wanted a BB gun when he was like sixteen. Just like a Red Rider BB gun. And uh he got him a he got him a pellet gun, which is a way better like gun. Right. But, but he wanted a daisy. Like, BB I just wanted gun. a stupid BB gun. <laughs> yeah, he just wants a stupid BB gun. And I, what's cool though, what is cool is I still have that exact pellet gun. Oh, that's very cool. I I still, I still have my dad's, um, like first over and under like that he's had since he was a kid. So that was, that's kind of a cool, cool thing. But, uh, yeah. So I just remember being like, like Christmas morning being really disappointed. And again, it was probably a, it was probably as expensive and it was a well-made Raleigh bicycle. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it was really sturdy. It probably held up, you know, better. Um, but I just remember, um, you know, trying to convince my friends how cool my bike was, so that they would want to ride my bike, and I could get, and I could ride their bicycle. But uh, huh. I I didn't do a lot of repairs. I got into unicycles like probably when I was eh, maybe ten, ten or eleven, and. I've had more unicycles than I've had bicycles and I've, we, we really abused our unicycles. So I can remember wrenching on the unicycle to keep it working and to try to straighten the wheel back out after bending it from riding off of tall objects and stuff. And I remember, Hmm. um, we used to go bouncing down steps on our unicycles and hopping off of, um, there was this particular spot where we would ride across this, uh, railing on a bridge that was really wide so it wasn't all that hazardous but then we would hop off of it it was about a two foot drop and i and my pedals my cranks just broke off of the axle and started spinning around um when i jumped off and uh because there were these pins that sheared and then because i grew up in a small town it was like waiting until my dad would drive me over on some day that the bike store was open to get these new shear pins. And then it wasn't, but like two weeks later and I broke another one. So I just (laughs) took it out in the shop and I was like, um, the bottom bearing caps. So at the bottom of the fork of the unicycle, there were bearings and they had a screw on bearing cap that held the bearings in. 
And I was like, if I ever need to change the tire, I can take off the bearing caps to take the wheel out. And I just welded the cranks onto the end of the axle. I just, I just went out, I fired up the welder and I welded the cranks onto the end of the axle. And I still have that unicycle. And you know what? The cranks have never, never broken off since. <laughs> hey, you, that's, that's considered wrenching. You welded. Yeah. Yeah. So I fixed that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, oh, now we expand the definition. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm over now it. we can. Now we can. Uh, no, I'm it. over it. It's fine. Tom's very upset. He's his. He's got that vein popping out of his forehead. I think he needs some help. But, um, yeah. PJ. So that's PJ, that's kind of that's kind of my wrenching oh, sorry. wrenching story. I was done. Uh, okay. Well, um, going back to first bikes, uh, I think I was like five or six. Apparently, I'm I'm the little prince in this story because mine didn't come out of a dumpster. Uh, it was a Christmas present. Well, a dumpster? That'd be high class. No, this was just a dump. This is where they dumped the dumpsters. Well, neither one of you got a brand new bike. <laughs> that, that's, what I, that's what I'm saying. Like both of you got like a beat beat up bike that you know was abused and had was homeless, and I got one that was brand new. I I can't remember oh. exactly how old I was. I want to say five or six. You're but drunk hunter privilege speaking. Well, you know, if it was it really was the junk hunter, I, I would have it would have come from like a dumpster or something. But That's but true. for some think? reason, uh, they they got me a new one, and it was this was this was the only time this ever happened. They hid it at the neighbor's house, so this is like Christmas morning. I'm in my pajamas and my robe, and my parents take me like walk me next door through the snow to my neighbor's house to get this bicycle and i had no idea what was going on i'm like why are we going it's cold outside neither did Um, the neighbors that's why they were wondering why their kid's bike got stolen oh yeah yeah we didn't (laughs) tell them so this bike wasn't a new bike it was a brand new bike uh it was red uh it had a banana seat it was a sparkly red banana seat and i want to say it was a schwinn but i'm not 100 percent sure it had not i don't think it had it initially when i got it i think later on my my dad added a flag to the back and if you grew up in the 80s you've seen these before they're these fiberglass poles that have Mm -hmm. a triangle an orange triangle flag at the top and he mounted it to the back of the bike so as i rode around the flag went crazy and for some i i loved it i don't know why but it was on there (laughs) um so that was my first bike, and I don't remember exactly how long I had it, but the next bike was the Terror that I hated. I tried to get my mother to buy me a BMX bike because that's what all my friends had. She insisted after one look, and she swears to this day she never said this, she said, oh, well, if you ride into the mud, it's going to fly right up your back because it's got no fenders on it. I'm not buying you that. So the bike that I ended up getting had fenders. I don't know what brand of bike this was. But Tanda, you're talking about you had two top tubes. Well, this had four. Okay, it was built like been out top tubed. Yeah, this this thing had so many bars. Okay, reinforcing everything. It looked like a building that had been constructed, and then somebody put two wheels on it. It, it was so heavy. The only time I, got, I went, got to go fast is if I was going downhill. Like this was, 
everybody else was like zipping all over the place like their their bike was like two pounds my bike was like 80 pounds it was like it was like a motorcycle that's how heavy this thing was it looked like you could put a motor in it and it had a three-speed thumb shifter that really didn't do much and i hated that bike with a passion uh then we come to my first real bike let's say on my 13th birthday i went to go visit my uncle sam who owned a bike shop and i got to pick out a 12-speed bike which i still have and it is a oh geez it's a centurion but i can't remember if that's the model or the brand but it's called a centurion it's black it's japanese made um it was a 300 dollars bicycle when i was 12. so not anything wow. super spectacular um like a million dollars today probably yeah probably it was top of the line tour de france so 1985 uh well let's see i was born in 74 so this would have been 86 Ooh, yeah. i think Somewhere around there. 1985 Centurion Elite RS Racing Bike. Original seat plus new specialized seat. $390. Free shipping or best offer. It's $390 now? Yeah. <laughs> they didn't really go up much in price. But they it's haven't Centurion, devalued either. Centurion is the brand and Elite RS is the this model. Well, Sorry. anyway, um, it has the, the Ram style handlebars. And it has the kind of brakes where you could grab uh, inside the ram to squeeze on it, or you could mm -hmm. sit up and grab on the top of the bar. Right. So you had two different ham positions. And this bike is unlike any other bike I've had and have come across to date. It has the, six wheels? No. Uh, whenever, you, oh. whenever you have a, let's say, a non-kid's bike... And the wheel free spins. You hear this little click, 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 click as the pawls go freely mm -hmm. around the wheel when you're not pedaling. This bike is completely silent. When you're not pedaling, it doesn't make any noise. I have no idea why, but it is completely silent. And it's a 12-speed. It's got the the two uh, levers that are on each side of the um, the down tube. So it's that's how you you change you know one side is your front gears mm -hmm. and then the other mm -hmm. side is your rear gears, and I uh, I rode this thing all over the place. I rode it to school um, every day when I was going to high school. I rode it back and forth to work, and the first repair I remember is I I hit something, and the wheel was a little wobbly, and I went to my dad and I'm like, the wheel's wobbly on my bike. And this was, I'll never forget this. He was working on his car and he looks at the bike, goes, hold on a second. And he goes into the garage, comes out with a spoke wrench, which looks like a horseshoe. It, it's a completely like bizarre tool if you've never seen one before. Mm -hmm. And he flips the bicycle upside down, uses the spoke wrench to, to like, just. it looks like he's not doing anything. And he's tightening the, the spokes back and forth. And then all of a sudden it was fine. There was no wobble. It ran perfectly straight. And I was like, what did you do? He goes, I fixed it. And I had, and <laughs> that was it. Like he, he didn't explain anything. He just, he fixed it. So, um, so anyway, uh, the bike was sized for me at 12. So as an adult, you know, I grew. It wasn't the right size for me anymore. I really couldn't use it. So when I, 
years later, uh, when I was working at a bike shop, I decided to retrofit the bike. So I got a the seat tube usually just goes straight up and then you have a seat on it. But you can actually get one that angles backwards so that you can change the geometry and you can get an extension uh the I think it's called a, a neck. Jeez, I forgot the name of it. The thing that connect, connects the handlebar to the fork. Uh, you can get one that elongates so that you can actually stretch your arms out more. So basically, you can virtually create more space so that the bike will fit you better. So now I can ride it. And um, the only things that I've done to the bike since I got it, like far as repairs go, um, I can't remember whether or not I've changed the cables and housings, although that's usually one of the first things that need to be changed. It has the original tires from 1986, okay? Hmm. There's all kinds of crazing going around the sidewalls, but the tires have, there's no holes in them. It's not peeling off the rubber. It's, these are, <laughs> it's like 30 something year old tires. Tread still good on them. I don't know what they're made out that's, of, but it- That's crazy. <clears throat> yeah, it's really, really cool. I still, still ride it. So, uh, left the tires. I have replacement tires, but I've never put them on. The When I was working at the bike shop, um, I mentioned before Campanello. So there's three major brands of high-end, or not major high-end, but there's three brands of parts. Uh, Campanello is an Italian-made bike parts brand. Uh, then there's uh, SRAM, or SRAM, which I believe is American-made. And then there's Shimano, which is Japanese. Those and, th- and there's there's a couple other lesser brands like Suntour and things that are the cheapy, cheapy throwaway stuff. So the one problem with this bike was that it had terrible brakes. It had these sort of horseshoe brakes that don't really you can't stop if you're going too fast. It's they're they're garbage brakes. So what I wanted to do was I wanted to upgrade the bike. And I was working at this shop in East Hampton or uh, Southampton, New York like out where all the rich people are. So like these are the $15,000 bike people that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And there I was I was working on stuff out there. But anyway, these people would bring their bikes in and have parts upgraded that didn't need to be upgraded. They just wanted new stuff. So in like a like a section of the shop that was for storage, I found boxes and boxes of just parts. And so I asked my boss, I'm like, what is all this stuff? He goes, oh, it's all stuff we took off bikes that we upgraded. And I'm like, can I buy some of these campy brakes? And he goes, tell you what, just work an extra hour and you just take whatever you want. These are like $500 brakes, okay? So um, I, I retrofitted them to fit the bike because they didn't fit. And uh, that's actually worth more than the bike. Um, and and they're still on there. And I, I replaced the handlebar tape. And that's it. There, I, there's been no other repairs. It has the same bike chain, the same pedals. Everything else is the same. It's the same bike. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's my 12 that's cool. That's pretty cool to still have the bike that you had when you were 12. Yeah. Yeah. And no damage. Like nothing. I don't even think the paint is chipped on it. Um, okay, so moving on from there, uh, around 
let's say 2000, I had a girlfriend that for some reason wanted to go mountain biking. And I didn't know really anything about mountain biking. So I dove headfirst into that world. I, I got a whole bunch of magazine subscriptions. I started doing all kinds of research. I was looking up stuff online. I visited bike shops. And what I found was there was this boom right at the end of, of the 90s. For some reason, all of these um, uh, NASA uh, engineers, like aerospace engineers, moved into the bicycle industry. And it was undergoing this huge like uptick in technology. And that's where you're talking about like the carbon fiber, Tom. They were mm -hmm. experimenting so much with the proper ways to use carbon fiber in bicycle frames. And here's, here's my issue with carbon fiber bikes. There's two things. The first thing is when you ride a bike, the first thing you want is for it to feel good. You want to feel like you know you're you're comfortable riding. Um, carbon fiber is incredibly light, but it's hollow and it feels hollow. Like it feels like the bike has like a hum to it, and it feels like you're not riding anything, and it's very disconcerting. You don't you don't feel like you're on a bike, and um, that's that's the first thing. The second thing is you're basically riding on something made out of resin. Okay. <laughs> It's made out of glue, and the carbon fiber is just there to keep the glue together. So if you have, no, I, 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 I think most people doing composites would say the glue is just there to keep the carbon fiber together. <coughs> uh, let's, let, let's agree to disagree. But um, the point no, I being, with that. if you crash, okay, and you hit that carbon fiber and it cracks, that bike is done. Like yeah. done, like done, done. Like there's no repair. It's it's done. You've just lost like five thousand dollars or however much that frame cost you, because that's they're they're not cheap. If you wreck an aluminum bike or a steel bike, like if you have a crash, chances are the paint scraped up. You could replace two parts and you're back on the road. Like you're set. So, I don't I don't agree with the price point and the benefits of carbon fiber. I think it's not worth it. So I will mm. never own a carbon fiber framed bike. Um, Not with that attitude. Well, I do have a carbon <laughs> fiber handlebar, and I do have carbon fiber bar ends um, because those are perfectly fine. Oh, such a hypocrite! No, such it, a hypocrite. Those are light. They just... they're, they're cool. <laughs> I said I will never own a, a bike frame that's made out of carbon fiber. Oh, now you're you're changing. You're changing. No, that's that's what I said. The frame, the frame is what kills you. So, um, you make a you, the frame is what kills you. I'm telling you, that's what it is. So, okay, if if I crash, I know I'm with you. I'm if just, I crash, I love the phrasing. And the handlebar cracks, the carbon fiber handlebar cracks. I can get another yeah. carbon fiber handlebar for next to nothing. I can buy another frame. No, frame is five thousand dollars. Handlebar, hundred bucks. Hundred bucks and I'm right, I'm good. You see what I'm saying? Like that's yeah. that's nothing. That's like a pair of tires, you know. So that's like a new bike for me. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, hers are free at the dump. Oh well, let's let's get into bike grade for a second. So the uh, the Kmart bikes are what the bike grades. Bike grades. Okay. Bike grades. So the bike I have now is like a probably a 
$200 bike from big box C store. minus. So it's like a that's a Schwinn from a big box store. We call those anchor irons because they're built out of cheap metal and they make it thick. So that way they're very heavy, but they won't break. Okay. So those are mm. an anchor iron bikes. Um, on the no on the note of Schwinn, uh, all of the Schwinn bikes that you get now are not actually Schwinn bikes. They are made in China no, and they're garbage. Um, but an interesting fun fact, when Schwinn... Not because they're made in China, by the way, just putting that up. No, no. There's there's a lot of good bikes <laughs> that come out of China. Mine's anchor aluminum. Mine's an anchor aluminum frame. Well, the aluminum bike that you have is probably triple thickness to a bike store aluminum bike. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. That's why I only buy cast iron bikes. Yeah. So at the height of Schwinn's popularity worldwide, um, they made it to Africa, and they were the only bike in Africa to the point now if you go to Africa, the word for bicycle is Schwinn. If you go to yeah. any any African country, when somebody like says they want a Schwinn, that means they want a bicycle. So that's just a little little fun fact. Um, anyway. Yes, Tom, I know we're running long, but this is the most we're going to so have to long. say about bicycles. After this, it's all downhill. Okay. Well, wait till you find out what my, my skill pairing is. Oh, boy. Can't wait. So uh, getting back to the bicycle grades. So um, if you're looking at anything in the, let's say... $700 to $1,300 range. That would be a, and this is in a bike store. That's a mid-grade bike. That's like you're going to get somewhat decent parts and it should work well for you at a beginner level. And then you go up and up into the upper echelon of $2,000 to $15,000 bikes. Um, I have a custom road bike that's made out of steel that's tuned steel. And uh, what that means is the the outside diameter of the tube is like, let's say, I don't know, inch and a half. But then on the inside of the tube, it's actually thinned in certain parts so that it's stiff in one end, flexes in the middle, and then stiff at the other end, which mm -hmm. lightens the load, but makes it better to ride. Steel is one of the best rides, but typically... A cheap steel bike is heavier than any of the other aluminum or titanium. Um, anyway, this road bike uh, cost me, I think, about 6000 I, I believe that's what the price was. And I have two mountain bikes. Uh, one I bought, I think I paid 1400 but it's a $5,000 bike. It was a couple years old when I bought it, but it was a racing bike so it was top of the line and then there was a a new version of that that came out with a uh, uh new technology full suspension technology the other one was full suspension too but anyway i bought the frame i was the i was actually the first person to order it when i ordered it they didn't even have a part number for it i saw it in a magazine and i went to my bike shop and i, I knew the owners and i'm like hey i want this and so they called up the company and they're like okay, well, we've got it marked for you, but there's there's no price yet and there's no part number. We haven't even started making them yet. And uh, I got the first one, and then I custom-built that bike part by part, and 
were you to pay retail, it would probably have been like a eight thousand dollar bike. I think the way that I built it, it cost me around close to four because I sourced all the parts myself. Um, and I, I still have both of those, or all three. The, the road bike that was steel and then the other two mountain bikes, I still have. And I have another bike that we won't get into that needs repairs. But anyway, um, I have a full bike mechanics toolkit which I think I paid about $600 for from Park Tools. And I was full on into this to the point where I tried for two or three years uh, to get financing to open my own bike shop. Like I was, I was all in. I had the full plan for everything. And I just, uh, I couldn't, couldn't get the, the financing together. I had, you know, I had my house. I had some other, you know, things that I could put down as collateral. And it just wasn't enough for hmm. the banks and the investors and all that stuff. So it never manifested for me. But I have um, I learned how to uh, fix bicycles, how to wrench from hanging out in bike shops, from reading books. And I think there at this point, there was probably some early YouTube videos. This is early 2000s. So there was some YouTube videos about how to do certain things. Um, but most of it, I just learned by doing it. You know, I try something and then it didn't work. I'd go and ask the guys and like, what I do wrong. Um, and then, uh, and then years later I worked at the Hamptons bike shop and, uh, it was not the best experience. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Maybe I dodged a bullet, not owning my own shop. Um, but I, I love bicycles because uh, the reason I paid, by the way, so much money for the bicycles is there is no reason you can't ride those bikes up into your 90s. There, I, I can't tell you how many articles I read where they were interviewing people that were into their 90s still riding and like they had they had talked to like the people's doctors and they're like, how is this? How is he doing? You know, he's 95 years old. He's riding. And the doctor's like 65, and he's like, his heart's in better condition than my heart. You know, so there's all kinds of benefits to bike riding, in addition to it just being fun. Um, I love bikes. And that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the this guy that I worked with that was really into bikes, um, he did the commute that I do every day before the podcast that takes me like, I don't know, 45 minutes driving, you know, at highway speeds every day on his bike. Wow. Like yeah. all the way across the whole metropolitan area every day. And we, if you live in the right place, it's pretty bikeable, but uh, yeah, people who are into it are really into it. Yeah. I, I got big on the technology. The technology side of things really kind of pulled me in. It, it really is like designed like a spaceship, some of these things. It's really, it's a really amazing if you get into it. Well, shucky darn, I think it's time for one of them old-timey commercial interviews and stuff. 
Hey, this is Chavez. Are you a biker? I got something for you real good. That's right. I got Johnson's tool pod. It's for the biker that's already got a tool pack. They need something extra. You think you have everything you need? You're wrong. Let me tell you about the Johnson's tool pack. We got a fork. We got a spoon. We got a stapler. You know you need one of those. You know what else we got? It's got a lock pick. It's got a retractable paper clip. It's got a hammer. It's got a gum dispenser. It's got a pencil sharpener. And that's not all. It's got a nail clipper. It's got a mini curling iron. It's got a battle axe. It's got a bottle of shampoo. And it's got an electric razor. This thing has everything you need. You need a Johnson's tool pod. Let me tell you something else. Don't use wrong water. May cause back injuries. May cause fire. Not responsible for bike-related injuries. Fuel pod sold separately. Johnson's bike pod is only 27 pounds. That's right. And for only $44.95, you too can own a Johnson tool pod. Go to patreon.com forward slash makerseals for your Johnson tool pod. I'm Chavez. What the heck, Nabbit? I need to get me one of them. Anyone know what street Patreon is on? I need to go. All right. It's time for crossbreeding. Tom, what skill goes well with wrenching? Riding. Yes. Because after you fix the bike, you got to ride it. It's very important. Tanda, what skill goes well with wrenching? Well, I actually prepared this time, and so the skill that goes best is uh, 3D scanning. It, how, how, how does that go well with, with wrenching? Well, 3D modeling, 3D scanning, they all go well with wrenching. Uh, how? So if you're gonna if you're gonna design a bicycle, and wrench on it, you need a 3D scanner. I I don't I don't believe that's true. I'm with you. I don't know I don't know why he's having trouble with this. Doesn't sound like. That's I'm 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 gonna say patches and stop link. What? Some kind of some kind of stop leak and patches go well with wrenching. Hmm. <sighs> Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I, I think you're just mm-hmm. saying saying things that are related to bicycles now. That's... I love lamp. What? I, I a radio, one of those little radios that goes on the handlebars. Yeah. That goes well. That goes well with bicycle. If you're from my generation, you have a little AM/FM radio that uh, clamps onto the handlebars, and it also has a horn. How's it yeah. go? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's uh, well, we're gonna move on from that. And, and a three D scanner. <sighs> PJ, yeah. PJ, what goes well with with uh, working on cars? Working on bicycles. Uh, I'm gonna take your your thing, Tom, and say welding. Because um, if you want to build a bicycle, you need to know how to weld, and sometimes stuff breaks, and you need to weld it back the way it's supposed to be. So, you don't always weld, but sometimes it's helpful. But when you do, mm. you always do. I should have said carbon fiber. Shoot. Sidebar, Tom, does does Tanda know yeah. what we're talking about at all? She's just randomly saying things <clears throat> related to bicycles. No, 3D modeling. She's she's on board. The first thing sort of made sense, but now she's just saying words. That it's not even like a skill. It's like three carbon fiber is not a skill. That doesn't make any sense. No. Well, it's car- carbon fibering is a skill, I suppose, but I don't think so. Well, I certainly don't. I certainly don't know for sure. Well, I mean, that's like saying peanut butter and jellying. That's not a skill. That's just a thing. Well, it would really be peanut. 
peanut buttering and jellying. They're both two. There's two skills put together. Those aren't skills. Those are just. That's like saying appling. That's not. It's not a skill. It's just a thing. With appling ing, is a skill. What are um, you talking oh about? Oh my god. This is. I, I don't know. I have no idea what I'm talking about. What What day is it? Tuesdaying. We're Tuesdaying right now, PJ. Are you sure? Are you sure we're Tuesdaying? It, I'm pot. Well, it's almost Wednesdaying. Because uh, this episode's going long. Rant requests. All right, we put the word out for rant requests, and uh, we got some. And I'm going to start it off here. So we've got a rant request here from Sigma Woodcraft, and he says, Can you guys talk a bit about drilling and tapping? It's such a pain for me, so maybe there's some ranting to be done. Well, uh, you got to drill first before you tap. That's recommended. Highly recommended. Yeah, if you try to tap first, it's definitely you're gonna have a lot of problems. You probably do it, but it, yeah, it's harder. I mean, Way harder. You, well, you could get one of those combos that the it's the drill. Wait, what was with, his actual question? What was his actual question? I missed he, it. He wanted us to talk about drilling and tapping. Okay. So there are, um, if you're having a problem, they do make drills, drill bits, that have tap threads past the pilot point. So you can drill and tap at the same time. Uh, mm. I personally don't like those things. I think that it's they're not good quality, in my opinion, because, I don't know, I'm a tapping snob. Call it what you want. Uh, that's my opinion on it. I don't know. Detanda, do you have anything to yeah. add? No, all right. Best advice for tilling, tilling and and tapping, <laughs> drilling and tapping. Good God, is uh when you're when you're tapping versus versus dying. What is dying called? Dying is threading. Threading, I guess. I don't know. Maybe it's just die. It's it's the opposite of tapping. They drop they drop the ball on that part. Yeah. So when you're when you're dying something. You the the diameter of the work needs to be whatever the heck you want it to be. It needs to be half inch, and then you can put threads on it. But if you're tapping, so and I know that's not perfectly accurate, but when you're tapping something, the hole you drill needs to be smaller, and there is a chart that you should reference in order to determine what size uh, hole you need for the threads that you want to cut. I always forget that. So. Um, here's what I do since I don't have a chart and I'm, I'm not very well versed in it. When I want to, I, I, I don't know. That's, that's out of my scope. So you don't know, or you don't know. I, I you don't, don't comma know. Uh, yes. <laughs> so I know that I need to tap something a certain size. Let's say it's quarter inch. Okay. And that's all we're going to go with. It's quarter inch. So I get the tap out. And then I find a drill bit that I can put up next to the tap and I can still see the threads. That's what I use. Because Terrible. I know that I'm going to get, I'm going to get grooves. Okay, The screw's going to have something to hold on to. That's how I do it. It's, 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 it's very easy for me. I've never had a bad tap come out. Like I've never, I've never tried to tap something and it, it didn't fit the screw. Right. There's probably some better way to do it, but that's what I do. I wouldn't tap that. Oh, God. 
Oh, uh, Tana's coming back. Sorry, Tana's coming back. Tana's back. Hey, Tana. Oh, hey, Schrader valve. Schrader valving. <laughs> oh, we've uh, we've moved on to. Uh, sorry, uh, you must have missed something. Oh, sorry. We're, we're, I don't even know what we moved of, on to. Drifted I'm... off. <laughs> Tanda, we're we're doing uh, rant requests. Oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah, we're we're, we're talking about uh, drilling and tapping. A uh, Sigma Woodcraft wanted us to talk about it. Oh, okay. Well, that's 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 good. I mean, it, it's good to have a guide if you're drilling and if and if you're tapping, because it kind of keeps keeps the tap going in straight. So just taking a little block of material and drilling your tap drill size through it for a variety of different common tap drills is a handy thing to yeah. have around. Do you mean like a guide, like when you go on vacation, like someone to show you how to do it? Yeah, yeah. Someone, yeah, like a tapping guide is someone who stands beside you while you're tapping and goes, I think it's a little off. I think I think you're leaning a little bit. I, 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 come this way a little. Yeah, they oh. kind of guide you, kind of guide you. I've been doing it wrong. Um, yeah. Well, uh, anyway, uh, I, I hope those 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 things help you, Sigma Woodcraft. Uh, you guys want to read uh, one of the next rant requests? Yeah, I'm going to pick the shortest one before Tana gets to. Mayor of Little River <clears> says, <throat> dimples on a golf ball. Uh, and go. Okay, those are the small little circle cutouts uh, on the ball. Yeah, like melon balling. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like right. they were cut with a little melon, although sometimes they're hexagonal. Right. Really? Yeah, they just need to justify on the, the price. Depending on the golf ball. Oh. Yeah. And, sometimes they're, they're, and sometimes they're different sizes. Well, 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 mm. well now wait a minute. If if they're hexagonal, are they still called dimples or would they be hexels? Ooh, maybe they're Did, Digital dimples. Digital dimples. Mm. dimples. I think that I think that, you know, golf, I think almost all sports should have you know, like they have amateurs, they have different rankings, and then usually the top level is like open. It's like open to anybody. But but you still are very constrained. So I think they should have like physics league for any sport. And they just have the basic rules of the sport. But then, you know, if you want to make a golf club that has a little, uh, like a, like picture like a little tiny belt sander on the face of the club that's spinning really fast so it imparts a lot of spin in the ball so you can hit it with a low trajectory but it's spinning really fast so the dimples create lots of lift and you get like extra long shots Hmm. um i mean anything goes just basic rules you have to get from the tee box to the hole here's the golf ball use a drone here's the golf ball knock yourself out tanda Can can you send me some of the drugs you're taking? Because I would really like to try them. <laughs> I, I, I took them all. I'm sorry. Can you get more? Um. No. No. All right. How about you give us another another rant request here from somebody That's unfortunate. else? Unfortunate. Yeah. Well, that was going to be mine. Yeah. Right. But I then, stole it. but then Tom stole it. There's there's plenty to go around. There's only two more. How long do we have to hear about a Kickstarter allegedly being created before one actually exists? Who's that from? 
overall maker works. Is that uh, a question for PJ? I think it's for uh, for everybody here. Although I think it's really funny because you know it's like F asterisk 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 P asterisk asterisk. He, he, he didn't want to spell out frog pod. I think he's trying oh, to say that it's a curse it. word. It's a curse word, Tom. Frog pod. Well, when he blanks it out like that, it could be. It could be a, a curse word. Questionable items. It could be f- pod. It could. <laughs> Could be, and now FrogPod will forever be censored. Thanks so much. No, just that'll be censored. It could be. It could be frog, frog pee. You're welcome. Frog poo. Oh, it could be frog poo as well. It's coming. It's. You know what? I'm gonna answer. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, soon, sooner than later, but it's probably still a couple weeks away. Okay, there's your answer. That's the answer. That's Pro- your answer. Probably a total lie, but that's all we've got. There's a lot to do. It's a big checklist. It's, it's not. It's not that big of a check. It's, it's a tiny check. There's just a lot of them. Well, a lot of tiny check. You're right. Yes. You're right. Yes. You're right. All right. You're right. <clears throat> so, Kanawakatu says, uh, and I'm not making that up. I just said it wrong. Bruno, apparently, no one talks about Bruno. Well, that's not true because I call Bruno out right at the beginning of the podcast as the ball dropper. That is fired, okay? So we are talking about him. I don't like Bruno, him. Bruno, he doesn't, he does, Yeah. He doesn't do his job, all right? So that's, that's all I've got to say. I don't know if you two have anything to contribute. No, it's no, it's, it's, it's going to be okay, Bruno. It, it'll be all right. I'll find it's not going to be okay. Here, it's here not going to be okay. No. Sweep or something. No, he's fired. Yep. I I think this is our last one. Is this our last one? By Whalek 68? No, there's more. The Whalek? The Whalek. Oh, the one, the one that says, uh, why isn't PJ the doing many stories anymore? doesn't get to many stories anymore? times. That's not how this works. We could read one of his. Yeah, yeah. PJ, why why isn't PJ doing many stories anymore? Why PJ? Uh, you know what? I've decided that um, I'm not going to do stories anymore. I'm just going to let Tom do my stories because he does a bunch every day, and he he's there's more than enough to go around. Perfect. And uh, this was a two parter. Part two was. What, what, did you have more to say, or are you good? You're good. Good. No, I'm not. You do. Uh, what are Tom's most fr- Oh, I'm talking now. Uh, what are Tom's most frustrating things? <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't get through that. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> All right. What are Tom's... What are Tom's... I just shushed you. Oh, shoot. <clears throat> what are Tom's most frustrating things about home buying process? You want to know what the latest one is? We just, we just retracted our offer on a house that we finally got accepted on because of the inspection and there was termite damage everywhere and that's not necessarily a deal breaker but when we told the guy he sent us a a a receipt that he got termite treatment in 2019 and my response was why the wasn't that in the disclosures oh that's bad that's bad right yeah yeah what else isn't he telling you it's just frustrating yeah exactly exactly um so yeah so we walked away um he wanted to give us a really pathetic credit towards everything we reported on and we just said no 
So that's my f- most frustrating thing right now. You're better so off. Tune in next week yeah. for not buying a home in 2022. Maybe next week you'll have a home. You never know. Probably not. Okay, let's see. So we've got <clears throat> Creator Nader says, please have another hilarious interaction with Don Pedro Guslar. Oh, we tried to, we called him and he's busy this week. So we, uh, we, we couldn't have him on the show this week. God, I'm so glad I hedged off on this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's dead. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I, I don't know what happened to him, but I, I think that the feds got him and he's in a black box somewhere. So there's, that's, that's not going to happen. Perfect. Okay, um, you know what? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that one, but I will say this one because he he listed it here. Creator News says, "Please do not speak of gas prices." Well, then you shouldn't you have sh- typed it. You, you shouldn't have typed you it. Should have. Okay. I hope you mute that. No, I spoke it. To there. It's, I done spoke it. Yeah, yeah. And that's all I got to say. <laughs> this is devolving quickly. <laughs> Tanda's still in a sidebar. All right. It's time for her own sidebar. It's time for short and sweet. Tom, what do you got to wrap up the show? I I don't know. I don't I got nothing. Do I have anything? No. My life's been consumed with crappy real estate and frog pods. So do you, you want me to talk more about frog pods? I can do that. No. No. I don't. Okay. I don't. That's all I got. All right, fine. Tanda, you got anything to wrap up the show? Um. Oh. Tom. Oh. 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 Hold oh, on. Before oh, you go, oh. I no, do have Tom, something. Tom, you, you, you no, your chance. No. No. Already, no. Those are. It's. Ah, there's crap. nothing in the rule book that says I can't go back on what I said. We have a so, rule book. I got. All right. So all the guys on making fun were told to sign up for Cameo, which is a, a service website where famous people. Uh, you can pay them to like send you a message for a happy birthday or a pep talk or whatever. And Graz did his like yesterday, and I jumped on there real quick and I bought one. And I then I messaged him directly and I was like, I was like, dude, was I first? And he goes, no. And I said, I want my money back, but I was joking. <laughs> and he sent me one right as we're doing the pre-show, so I have not watched it yet, but I'm going to watch it, and I'm so excited. Uh, worth every right. penny. Go buy a go buy a cameo from Graz. Uh, um I'll think about it. I'll think all about right. it. All right, Tanda, did you did you have anything? That that's a good a good shout out. I've I've watched uh, Did I steal all yours? Of, all did of I steal No, yours? no. I um <laughs> but but I have been quizzing um anyone I know who has kids. I'm like, yeah. "What do you, what do you think? Have you watched it yet?" cuz I've been telling them all to go and to go and watch it. And uh Every one of them is like, my son wants to pitch. My daughter wants to pitch. My, yeah. you know, it's like everybody with a kid that's watched it, that's old enough to have any idea what's going on. They've been like, yeah. oh, yeah, I watched it. You know, it was kind of funny. I like this or I like that or I thought this was this was funny. But my son wants to pitch. And yeah. so I thought that was really interesting that, uh, you know, it, it's it's had that effect. Like kids watch it and they want to be the kid on the screen you know what that means though 
they're thinking of things. They're inventing things in their brain. Right, which is kind the of show, the essence of the which show. Which is, it, yeah. it is the complete essence of the show. It's right. so good. So it's, yeah, it's working. That's uh, that's my short and sweet, is uh, it's, it's working. I wonder if they anticipated that when they were filming, that that would happen. That the kids would see the show and then want to be on the show. I, w- I would like to think that somebody that uh, has a better sense of that than than me going in watching it does, and and is saying, yeah, that's that's the intention and it, and it's working. Mm. Mm. I mean, I don't think by chance you just put together that much that much work and and fund a show and and put it on without hopes of of it creating some kind of response. Right. You would hope so. You would hope so. <laughs> well, it's only Netflix, Panda. Only Netflix. It's, it's not only like only Netflix. It's, it's not like it's um, some other place. That, I think they should film the next one at their Netflix studios, though. <laughs> that would ruin it. No. <laughs> Shh! Hush your mouth. Yeah. Hush. <laughs> you know, Jimmy's not going to leave the farm. No, uh, that's that's true. Plus, there's no way they're going to move all those tools. That grumpy old kid hating guy. Yeah. What yeah. PJ? What's your short and sweet? Totally unrelated to maker stuff, but um, I don't know. I, I'm, I have a, I have an interest talking about watching things <clears throat> like some people do in the end here watching stuff. If you like video games and you like anime, I've got a recommendation for you. This really cool cartoon called Overlord. And I've been watching it on Crunchyroll, which is like an on-demand channel. You can actually get it as a downloadable app on your phone, too. But anyway, they have all is kinds of... that a sushi of... reference for anime? Because yes. that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. That's it, awesome. It's very cool. So the premise of this this story is there's uh, it's set 150 years in the future, and it's a massive multiplayer online video game called Yggdrasil and this guy who is re- his his character is like the top level he's the he's like the most powerful guy in the game but the game has been running for 12 years and they're shutting it down and all of his guild members have stopped playing and he's like the last one and he's in charge of this tomb that they built that's got all these treasures and magical items and stuff and he's like, man, this was such a great game. I, I'm just going to stay logged in until they shut down the servers. And the, literally counts down the time until, like, the servers go off. And he's sort of, like, dozing off because it's, mid, like, midnight. And then he kind of wakes back up. And he's still in the game, but all of his controls have disappeared. And he's like, what's going on? And then all of the NPCs that are in the tomb with him start talking to him and they're you know like they all have emotions and he's like this is weird they've never done that before and then it turns out that the tomb has been teleported to some world that is very similar to the video game but he's stuck in it and it's all about him trying to figure out what to do because he can't get out of it like he's he's a real person but he's stuck in this he's stuck as a as a giant skeleton <laughs> and he's super powerful 
and um, and he basically starts this plot for world domination, and it's really funny and creative, and um, I don't know, I've I watched it one time with all the subtitles, and then uh, which had a bunch of commercials because I didn't pay for it, and then I'm like, you know what, I'm just gonna pay for a membership to the place, and uh, and then I discovered that you could get it uh, English dubbed, so now I'm watching it a second time with the English. And it's like I'm picking up on all these things that I missed. Anyway, if you like video games, it's a great show. It's three seasons in, and I think the fourth season is supposed to come out in the next couple months. So that's that's my short and sweet. And um, nice. And I want to thank our top Patreon supporters, our very own Tanda Madison and Creator Nader. And I, I think it's been a while since I talked about all the <laughs> that aren't listening to the show. And they need to be listening. Who's not spreading the word, okay? We need new listeners. You know what? We we checked our logistics. And when we had Keith Johnson on, his show is now number one. He's doing a good job of spreading the word. People are listening to him and listening to the show. So if you want to be like Keith, you need to find somebody. And get them to listen to our show right now. Stop what you're doing and go find somebody. That's well, they're I- listening to the show, so don't stop what you're doing. Right, right. Yeah, only people who aren't listening to the show should stop what they're doing Multitask. when they don't hear that because they're not listening right. to the show. Confusing. No, I want and the people listening do to do that. it too. Everybody should be doing it. The people that are oh. listening should go find the people that aren't listening. Yeah, it, if you're listening, go listen to Keith Johnson. It, it's like an extra right. credit assignment. Right. Don't listen to us. Go go listen to whatever Keith Johnson's saying. Yes. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maker Skills. If you should need more skill information, you can find us on Instagram at maker.skills. You can also email us at makerskillspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at PJ Galati, son of the junk hunter on Instagram and YouTube. You can find Tanda at Tanda Madison on Instagram, and you can find Tom at Infinite Craftsman on Instagram. We welcome any comments. Please leave us five-star reviews on Apple so that we can make more skill madness come your way. See you next time.